This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Today on Voice of Change, we're going to be celebrating all things reading, all things book related. Now, in a way, talking about celebrating always makes us think of happiness and happy times and joyful things. But today on the show, I really am going to be raising awareness on two things. One is the hidden Bible crisis and the hidden Bible famine that is happening in the continent and on the continent of Africa and how there is this hidden crisis that's happening that we don't often talk about. Now, in celebrating the Bible, I'm of course saying that the Bible is very important. And like I said, we are celebrating that, but we also need to raise awareness on the fact that there's something happening on the continent of Africa where this is our home continent this is where you know Christ is we know that the evangelism is big in Africa we know that our brothers and sisters in Christ living in Africa love reading the Bible and having access to the Bible but how much access do people really have to the Bible outside of South Africa and we can often compare and go well you know we have wonderful bookstores wonderful Christian publishers I mean you probably listening to me and you probably have at least two or three Bibles at home. I mean, you probably have more. But is there something else outside of South Africa that is happening and taking place on the continent and that we should really be aware of and actually concerned about in maybe a posture of prayer about as well. And so that's what we're going to be chatting about on the show today. And I'm going to be joined by Francois Ribano, and he is joining me to discuss this reality of what is actually happening and what is going on and why is this a hidden Bible crisis. And later on the show, I'm also going to be joined by Noni from the Otto Foundation, a wonderful, wonderful organization that is working really hard to make sure that there is a celebration of reading and a love of reading in children, especially primary school children and high school children, but also why this is very important as we celebrate reading and a love of books, why it's important that we continue to build libraries and create safe spaces so that children who are really sitting in that reality that we keep talking about of not being able to read for understanding why they can have access to books and how we can foster a love of reading. And the Otto Foundation are really busy in Cape Town and they have some wonderful and exciting projects that they are involved in. So I cannot wait to have Noni with me later on on the show. So today, all things book related, all things reading related and all things related to how we need to be the change, make the change, not only only in our community, but in our country and on the continent of Africa. So it's me, Lauren Jacobs, with you for the next hour here on Cape Pulpit. And I'm super excited to have Francois with me after this so that we can actually break open this hidden Bible famine and Bible crisis that we have on the continent of Africa. So don't go anywhere. Francois is with me after this.
I'm just so looking forward to having Francois with me today. I know that we're going to have an incredible conversation. And when we're talking about Bibles, we're not only talking about, you know, the Bible that you and I have. And if you're anything like me, you probably have a shelf full of Bibles. But we need to realize that we're actually in a time right now where we have a hidden Bible crisis. And before we get into that and talking about this and why it's important, Francois, to you, it's so good to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being with me. And I'm really looking forward to touching on something that's very, very important for us to talk about today. Thanks, Lauren. It's lovely to talk to you. Now, the organization Oasis International, you talk about having this, like I said, hidden Bible crisis in Africa. Now, there's two things happening when I say that. Firstly, it's hidden. Secondly, we have a Bible crisis. What does this really mean when we say we have this Bible crisis and that it is also a hidden one? Well, Lauren, to be honest, there are actually two Bible crises, um, but only one of them is hidden. <laughs> you know, there okay. are so so the one the one that everybody knows about is the the translation crisis. You know, there are so many language groups in the world, so many people who don't have the Bible or even the New Testament or even just you know one of the Gospels in their own language. Um, so so that is that is the one crisis, and there's a lot uh, that is being done about it. Um, you know, many countries, most countries have uh, their own Bible society, and that's kind of has always traditionally been the, the mission of the Bible society uh, was, you know, the focus has always been on translation mm. and to make sure. And in South Africa, we're very fortunate that, you know, we have the Bible in, in our 11 uh, official printed languages. So that is that's encouraging, hmm. but um, there's also there's another uh, Bible crisis that few people know about, and that is the distribution crisis. So the one the one crisis is translation, um, but the other one is distribution. And um, the what people don't realize, and, and this is especially true for Africa, hmm. is that in Africa, even if we had all the Bibles in you know in everybody's language and all the Bibles uh, already translated, getting them into the hands of people in Africa is a mm-hmm. huge, huge challenge um, because uh, there are a few reasons for that, but, mm-hmm. um, and we, we can get to that, but so people think that, that, uh, you know, somehow if we can just get the Bible into everybody's language, then magically, you know, the problem is going to disappear. But mm-hmm. it's, it's one thing to say we have the translation, but to get the, the physical Bible into everybody's hands, um, that that is the big challenge, and and because uh, we call it hidden because people don't know about it, and mm. and uh, that is what we are trying to highlight. Mm. Which is good, and why it's important that we're having this conversation today, because now we can say, hey, we are uncovering this, and we're telling you that this is what's happening. I can think to myself that there must be uh, quite a few reasons why distribution must be a problem. I'm thinking costs. I'm thinking access. Francois, what are the reasons why we are seeing that, you know, Bibles can't be distributed as much as what we probably want them to be? And as much as the need is on the ground, I'm sure people want Bibles, but we are seeing this distribution problem. Uh, Why is that? What are the factors that contribute to this? Well, I think you you alluded to the first one. Um, you know, so the first one is quite obvious. You know, that's that's the uh, a big factor in many problems is just the availability of finance. You know, just mm. money. Um, if uh, last week I, I heard that the uh, total market cap of uh, Apple, the company, mm-hmm. um, is now bigger than the entire GDP of Africa. So that's all wow. fifty three countries in Africa combined is smaller than the market capitalization of one U.S. company. Wow. So, so the one is just lack of means, you know, that's plain and simple. If we had more money, we could print and distribute more Bibles. 
Um, but but that's only one reason. The um, <clears throat> because the uh, because African culture is very uh, kind of focused on on uh, orality, on on uh, oral means of you know conveying uh, language. Africans are storytellers first and yeah. foremost. You know we we all know that. Hmm. Um, and but because there's an, uh, such a strong oral culture, there's not always a strong reading culture. Um, and because of there's not always a strong reading culture, there's not always a strong book industry. Um, again, in South Africa, I think we are quite blessed in terms of our you know, book industry. We've got a strong publishing industry. Mm. You know, we have a well-developed retail sector. Uh, the distribution works well. Um, but that is not true for uh, many parts of sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. And, and that is where the challenge lies, is, is to um, have the means. Uh, but also, if once we have the means, also to create those channels, um, and in Africa, it might look different to, you know, what it would look like in the U.S. Um, so, you know, in, uh, we might not, our main channel might not be retail in Africa. In, we might prefer to work primarily through through ministries and churches and mm. um, kind of parachurch ministries. So so it will, um, you know, Africa is, is always a different animal. Uh, mm. So our, our picture uh, might look different to, to another continent, but it is important that, that we create those channels so that once um, the uh, Bibles are printed, that we have the means to distribute them to the end users. Hmm. I think it's such an important point that you're raising here, and actually, it's quite eye-opening, isn't it? What you were saying about Apple and uh, and and Africa and the reality that faces the people of Africa and the continent itself. And I'm also thinking, as a writer, is how to post books. Sometimes you have people that ask you for a book overseas, and I kind of. I always say to them, well, the postage costs more than this one book. So you show that you want me to post this to you. It, it, distribution and getting things out there, you know, sending, couriering, posting, however you're getting a book out there, especially from here in South Africa, it's incredibly expensive. And and finances is a huge big deal. And of course, if you're shipping Bibles or having to pack them and move them, you know, Bibles are much bigger than a book, a, a little book. And it actually it it makes one think, and I'm thinking: Are there going to be, and are we going to see some solutions, and particularly short-term solutions? Are there going to be solutions? Because obviously, we're talking about the fact that this is a crisis, and so I know that there are people that are working to change this narrative and to change this. What are the short-term solutions around this issue? Well, um, like you say, Lauren, there's it's there's a there's a crisis, and we need to address it in the short term as well as the medium and long term. So we can't just say, yeah, okay, once we have you know all the Bibles available in everybody's language, you know, we'll we'll focus on how to get it to them. Hmm. So it must be kind of a um, you know we must um, there's that lovely story about the two guys who sat in a rowboat in the middle of a big lake, and then a huge storm broke out, and the one guy said, uh, should we pray or should we row? And, and his friend said, "Let's do both." You know, so, yes. so, so that is that's what we need to do. Um, is is not just to pray about the problem, but to to really see what what is there that we can do um, that will be a solution in the short and the medium term as well as the long term. So, um, so there is some good news, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's uh, I'm very happy to get to that. So, um, as you know, in in sub-Saharan Africa, probably ninety percent um, of of people can understand either English, uh, French, or Portuguese. You know, th- mm-hmm. those are the um, traditionally the, the colonial languages, uh, and for better or for worse, that's the legacy that that uh, you know that we have. 
Mm-hmm. And um, the good news is that the Bible is available in those languages. And yes, of course, it's first price to get the Bible to somebody in their own language. But mm-hmm. the interesting thing is, um, you know, the Bible app U version, you know, it's by yeah. far the most popular Bible app ever. Um, so they've done some research in Nigeria and they found that even though the Bible was available in 18 of the local uh, Nigerian dialects, 98.9% of reading time on the Uversion app happens in uh, in English. Mm. So that's almost 99% of people read it in English, even though they have the option of, you know, 18 Nigerian uh, uh, dialects. Mm. So so that I found that very interesting. And we, we also did our own research kind of in, in rural areas of Nigeria, where we found that uh, in a church where even the service is conducted in the local indigenous language, um, but when it comes to reading the Bible for your personal devotions, 93% of the people in that church prefer to read it in English, even though mm. um, you know they, they prefer to have church in their own language. Yeah. So, so it's not when we say that we can reach a lot of people through uh, English, French and Portuguese. It's not um, as if we're trying to say that, you know, well, you know, that's what you've got. So you better be uh, that is actually what people on the ground prefer. Um, and and that is why I say there's that's a kind of a short term solution. So once because we have the Bible available in those languages already, if we can create the distribution channels, we are, you know, we've it's like the twenty eighty percent twenty eighty principle. You now we've we've done uh, we can put in the twenty percent and get a huge reward uh, if we can only focus on creating those those distribution channels. And like I said, that can can uh, happen with working with churches, working with church denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some huge churches up north. Um, you know, talking millions and millions of members. Yeah. Um, and then also working with other ministries and 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 then the uh, traditional kind of retail model. Hmm. You know, you, you mentioned something very, very important, and that is, you know, many, many churches and millions and millions of members and a lot of people. I mean, going to church on the continent of Africa, I find that the fact that Africa struggles with not having Bibles is is crazy because it's a it's a continent where we know God is really and we know there's so much prophecy that has been spoken about this continent so many things that god is going to Mm -hmm. do and has done and will continue to do and why then is it so ironic that africa itself should experience this bible famine so to say why why is there this irony because i cannot help escaping the fact that it feels very ironic especially the legacy of what we see and what we know god wants to do here well, well, it is uh, ironic for, for two reasons. And the first reason is that um, a, a big part of the Bible happened in Africa. <laughs> and many of the yeah. characters in the Bible actually came from Africa. Um, uh, Tim Welch uh, wrote a book called Africans and um, Africa in the Bible. And mm-hmm. it, it's fascinating. In the Old Testament, if, I, if my figures are correct now, um, there's something like 983 uh, referrals to either places or people in Africa. And in the New Testament, it's something to the tune of 140 plus um, references to uh, to people and places uh, in Africa. So, so it's absolutely astounding, and it's so so sad then that even though you know Africans played such a big part um, in the formation of the Bible, that they should you know be the last in the queue when it comes to, mm-hmm. to distribution. Um, and then the the other reason why the Bible distribution in in Africa is absolutely vital is. 
Um, not only did Africa play a big part in the history of Christianity. Uh, I mean, if you if you look at there's a, a place called the Center for the Study of Early African Christianity that looks at in the first three four hundred years of of uh, Christianity. Uh, something you know, one of some of the church fathers, um, Augustine, for example, he was African. Yeah. And and uh, if you look at the huge role that they played in, in the kind of the uh, establishing Christianity, giving it a firm foundation. Um, you know, it's it's so much um, sadder that that Africans today uh, should not have that. But not only is the the history of Christianity, um, uh, you know, in in Africa, also the future of of Christianity, because they 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 estimate that by the year twenty sixty, four out of every ten Christians um, in the world will come from Africa. So forty mm. percent of Christians will be uh, will live in Africa by the year twenty sixty, and that is why it's so vital that we get the Bible into people's hands, that they can be disciples, that they can grow in their faith, that they can, you know, um, people are fond of saying that you know Christianity in Africa is is a mile wide and, and an inch deep, mm. and we need to change that. You know, we mm. need to to have it a mile wide and a mile deep. Um, so that so the people can really be grounded in their faith. Um, so that when we we have the numbers, um, but we need to grow depth um, in in uh, in the, the believers in Africa. Mm. And that also leads me to think, you know, what can ordinary individuals do? So if someone's listening to the show right now, going, "Wow, you know, I I I agree with this," and and I'm looking at my shelf and I see I have 25 Bibles on my shelf, and I just love to bless lots of them away. But it's not possible. You know, is there a way that ordinary, when I mean ordinary, I mean people that are not working in maybe the sector of distribution or translation or involved in ministries, active ministries, getting Bibles out there. Is there something that people can do to be involved in a way that is actually tangible to make a difference on the continent that you and I actually live in and that we have a heart for and we want to see this change? Because if we can put in our mind the fact that there are people out there maybe sitting right now praying for a Bible, you know, they're sitting in in somewhere and they're praying and they just want a Bible in their hands. And there must be, we, we're talking about solutions as well. Is there ways that people can change this reality and be more involved in getting these Bibles out there? Certainly, Lauren. Um, um, just one example is there's a program uh, called God's Word for Africa, mm-hmm. um, where we we try and equip people. Um, so there's a publication called the Africa Study Bible, which is kind of uh, Christianity 101 packaged with the text of the New Living Translation. Um, and uh, what we we try and equip church leaders because one of the other big challenges in Africa, of course, is education and mm. you know, training. So uh, many pastors are leading churches, but they kind of flying by the seat of their pants you know they they mm. because they haven't had the opportunity for proper training so what we try and do is to get the study bible into um into church leaders hands so that they can uh, not only equip the the congregation but equip themselves you know before they equip their congregations um so uh god's word for africa is, is just is one example um but i'm sure if you know once people start googling um there will mm. be many opportunities i i have a dream that you know christians who own companies that that work in africa whether it's a cell phone company or a bank or a retail group that they will say look man i've i've got you know there's there's room in my crate that's going up to accra in ghana you know you, mm. do you have a few cartons of bibles for me um, I, I wish that we could get to that place where, where Christians just across the board will get involved and say, but I, I already work in Africa. You know, I've got I've got means I can maybe, you know, I can be part of a network that gets Bibles uh, into people's hands. 
So, um, but yeah, that that that's the ideal. That's where uh, we are, and that is what we are working towards. Mm. You were talking about Accra and Ghana, and uh, I was reminded of something beautiful that I witnessed and saw when my husband and I a few years ago went to to Ghana on a missions trip, and we were traveling obviously from South Africa, but on our plane was these young university students from South Korea and uh, they had to go via South Africa to go up. You know, it was quite interesting, but each one of them had a massive box with them, huge box. And these are South Koreans. There was about eight of these students. They were young. They had these boxes with them and, and uh, they had them. They were, it was just, it was actually quite funny watching them with these boxes and eventually when we were close to uh, Accra you know I actually spoke to the one girl and I said like what are you doing with these boxes because I thought what's going on and she said we are taking Bibles to Ghana from South Korea and uh, it is it is incredible and these were young university students and uh, this was a couple of years ago and she said that they they are taking these Bibles because the people in Ghana need them and they were taking them from South Korea. How was that? Mm. And uh, that I want to, it's amazing to me. And I want to end off the show with, with that challenge to people to, to really ask, how can you get involved and what can you do? And Francois, I want to say thank you so much for your time and for shedding light on what is actually happening. So that is no longer something that is hidden, but can become something that we are aware of and that we can pray about and get involved in. So Francois, thank you so much for being here today and for enlightening us. It has just been a really great time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lauren. I'm so, so happy today to be joined by Noni all the way from the Otto Foundation. Now, the Otto Foundation was on the show actually, I think about two years ago, but in that time, so much has been happening. And if you haven't heard about the Otto Foundation, it's an exciting, exciting thing. So before we get into what the foundation is about, what the new projects are, and you know the new library that they're building, which is amazing. I first want to say, hi, Noni. It's so good to have you with me today. And also, you're not just working with the foundation. You've released a book, which is so exciting, a nice children's book. So congratulations on that. And welcome to the show today. Hi, Lauren. Well, thank you so much for that. Yes, it has been quite um, an exciting time. I've been um, wanting to write a children's book for you for a while haven't been in the in the um, early literacy space for a while so this has mm. been quite a huge milestone <laughs> mm. oh absolutely and I think anyone that's listening is 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 kind of thinking wow well done because we meet people all the time don't we and everyone goes oh I want to write a book whether it's a about their life or a children's book but to actually sit down and write a book is a huge big deal so uh, I'm sure that it's a big milestone and congratulations on that. How exciting. And it is. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's so cool. And and I haven't been able to get a copy of the book yet, but I have seen pictures and it looks amazing. And so about your work with the Otto Foundation, for anyone who's maybe listening in who's never heard of the foundation before, tell us a bit about what exactly you guys do there and, you know, what what you've kind of been involved with and really the heart of the organization. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's The Otto Foundation is really quite a special um, organization. Um, it's an NPO that was started in 2016, and it really came from a place of um, a love of reading. The, our founder, you know, there was a need. She knew someone in the school 
who was struggling and upon just investigating to see how to help this, this learner, she realized that there was quite a need in terms of um, having access to books. Mm. And that's when the, the sort of the dream came to, to life. And she, she got going with setting up the first library, which was at um, the Zona Boom um, Girls and Boys uh, Primary Schools. It's called mm. the Sunflower Library. Um, and, you know, since then, it's it, we have really been growing and we are in the sort of District 6 um, Zonobloom area where mm-hmm. we've set up uh, um, five libraries now. Um, and, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really it came from a, 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 a sort of passion of wanting to uh, improve early literacy and encourage children to read for enjoyment mm-hmm. um, with the aim of really fostering a love of reading and promoting access to books and really developing and promoting contextually relevant reading material for for our children. So that was sort of the core uh, focus when we when we got started. Mm, I love that. And I think one of the things we've spoken quite a bit about this year, but it's something that you know, and the foundation has known for a long time, but it's that children are really struggling to read for understanding. And we've seen this coming up this year again. Uh, you know, I think every year there's more light being shed on this. And teachers that I know, friends of mine that are teachers in schools are saying this for a long time to say, you know, children, you know, they by grade four already, you know, there's so many children that can't read for understanding. And is it because, you know, us as parents, we're not taking the time to read with our children? Or is there a problem with access to books? And that's exactly what the foundation has been doing, creating libraries, yeah. having these books for children. Is there this reality that we are facing to say there isn't access to books? And this is why children are struggling as well. Absolutely. It, there is a problem. And in fact, it's funny because... There was also um, something called the National Reading Barometer that was recently launched. And in that, um, if you sort of read the, the what they've come up with, there's somewhere there where they mentioned that there is amazing that just having access to books, so whether it's at home or in a library space, increases the chances of someone actually reading because you you're likely to pick up a book if you see a book if you constantly see seeing books around you you're very likely to pick it up and just page through it even if at that point you don't fully understand what you're reading but that's for example with children that's why the illustrations are so important but it's just Mm. sort of taking you into that space you're already sort of engaging your mind in a certain way so yeah I mean, I think definitely access uh, to books is a huge thing. And then, of course, um, I think, it uh, you know, parents and caregivers, it's so important that we try and encourage them as well and sort of bring them in on this journey and help them re- realize the importance of this for, for everyone, um, themselves included. It's an opportunity to bond with your child. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, it obviously opens up the child's world. So, so yeah, all of those factors tie in quite closely. Um, and yeah, so we obviously with libraries just figured uh, um, this is a way to, to sort of uh, ca- catch the kids at school, mm-hmm. but not in a way that is, because obviously when you think of school, you think you know a lot of the times you're associated with a very structured like we're here to learn and we have to get through the curriculum 
So we also felt like, no, we want this to be quite fun, quite enjoyable, so that the kids actually want to read and mm. that they want to pick up a book and just dream and go somewhere else and learn mm. something new and see themselves in the stories. So yeah, all those um, different things tie into it. Um, and yeah, we are trying to, to really um, promote that reading for enjoyment with kids. Mm. And I'm sure that for you and for me, we probably have uh, a book that we can think of in our minds that kind of shaped our thinking or that kind of impacted us in some way. And I'm sure maybe to those listening as well, maybe you have a memory of a book that was just so special. Maybe even it wasn't when you were a child, maybe it was a book that changed your life mm. as you got older. And uh, so books are so powerful and so important. And especially for children, I was actually thinking just the other day of the books my father used to buy me. He always bought me books as a child and he used to buy me, you know, we had those really cool ones. I don't really know if you get them anymore, but where they they had uh, pop-ups, you know, and you used to move them around. <laughs> and as a child, you know, you kind of like engaged in the story, but you're also moving things and it's so exciting. And it's it's yeah. really important for children to have books, to be exposed to books. And so this is so important, yeah. the work that the foundation is doing. And you were talking a lot about, you know, early reading as well, but now the foundation is also engaged in setting up your first high school library. And that is exciting. Tell us about, about, about that. That is exciting. Yeah, we're, we're very excited. It's, it's a sort of relatively new area for us, but we're still very excited about that side of things. Obviously, uh, it's a slight shift in the way that the library can potentially work because older kids are you know quite different to the younger kids but yeah it's very exciting we um the 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 library we're looking at is uh good hope seminary um high school it's a girls school mm. um that has about 460 girls from who come in from disadvantaged areas there's also a a, a small little boarding house as well but they it's it's um Fundamentally, it's a sort of commuter school. So a lot of the girls coming in from the outskirts. And uh, yeah, and there was they, there already was a library in the school, which is great because mm -hmm. that sort of let, uh, lets us know that the school, you know, at some point was, is this is something that's important to them. And we love partnering with schools that already have that interest and that focus that they want to just develop further. So they already did have a library, but it wasn't an active library. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the books were sort of quite outdated and it just, it, yeah, it just needed quite a bit of more, a little bit of work and a little bit of love. And um, so, yeah, and they're also celebrating their 150th um, wow. anniversary at the end of this year. So we thought this was actually quite a special time to come in and see what we could do to celebrate this, this huge uh, milestone of theirs. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're still at the early stages um, where we are busy with renovations and um, just trying to, to get the library up and going, but we are very excited that we were getting a chance to work with the high school this time. Mm. And so will the way the library has to be set up even you know, and the things that's happening. And also then, of course, the books that are going to be there. So it's going to be yeah. quite different to a primary school, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think we 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 are very, um, we do tend to, I don't know if you've seen our spaces, but we do tend yeah. to put a lot of emphasis on 
how the space feels and how mm. it looks and you know we take into consideration the age of the kids and make it quite age appropriate and fun and engaging and in- interactive so um we are taking that same sort of mindset into this one as well where we're thinking okay this is high school what are high school students likely to enjoy and engage with and we're taking all of that into consideration as we design the space so we feel that the space should also be very welcoming and warm and wanting making kids to want to sort of be in the space and it should obviously feel like a safe space where they can also just really um unwind and um, yeah, just our our librarians tend to be, and I'm sure a lot. I've spoken to a lot of people who are avid readers, and they often talk about how the the librarians, when they were growing up, sort of became their sort of mentors. And like, so mm-hmm. yeah, our li- the librarian is also a very important part. Uh, we we are busy with the recruitment process, but it's quite important that we find someone who's you know really good and understands teens and yeah. and obviously we train we also train our librarians so yeah we, we take all of that into consideration um as well as the book selection um yeah making sure that the books are interesting it's topics that high school students would love and be interested in and want to engage in and share thoughts and ideas with so mm-hmm. yeah we try and take all those different aspects into consideration and really create um something quite special Mm. and Oni that's what you was that's what you're mentioning here and I know that the spaces that you create are beautiful spaces it's all about you know visual as well and making the library feel like a safe space and I think that that's why it's so beautiful what the foundation is doing as well because it's not just a library you know, I remember library from when I was in primary school. That's the only library I think about because I never used a library in high school. But that primary school library wasn't very warm. You know, it was just a lot mm-hmm. of bookshelves. And I think that that's how it was when we were growing up. And, you yeah. know, like the libraries were just those brown bookshelves full of books. Yes. <laughs> and it's, exactly. it's it doesn't foster love for the space at all, honestly. Yeah. But, so that's why I love what you guys do because it's so visual as well. And the Sunflower Library is just very beautiful. And it's such a beautiful space. You just want to come into it. And as a creative, and, and children are creative, you know, you want to feel, wow, I'm engaged in the space. Like your brain is like excited and the visual is there. So I love that as well. And it's such an important part of the work that is done. So I'm excited actually about a high school library. I'm also excited that they are yeah. celebrating 150 years of education and just sharing their school and their space with so many people who have been through those doors. This is actually really, really exciting. And I wanted to ask you as well, you were talking about book selection. You know, is is it also that people can donate books or uh, that the public are you know, invited to get involved in that way of going, hey, you know, I have books and and I'd like to give it in. Of course, we are talking about children. We're talking about Mm. a high school (laughs) library. So we're not going, please donate Wilbur Smith books because those are not accurate for this (laughs) particular thing. And uh, that can traumatize a child. But we, I mean, I'm traumatized by a Wilbur Smith book I read when I was 16. I think I was too young for this kind of book. But, you know, we want Proper age-appropriate books. Is there a way for, you know, the public to also donate? Do you encourage that as well? Yes, we we do. We do encourage that. We are actually in the process now of setting up uh, 
a backer buddy campaign mm -hmm. because we would love to um, be able to um, get new good quality books um, diverse a diverse range of mm -hmm. books for for the um, for the library space so that is also going to be something that we're going to be sharing quite soon with um, uh, all our sort of followers and that but yes we we are also encourage donations obviously we do have a little bit of a criteria as you're saying now you know mm. we have to be careful about what we're asking what we're asking people to donate so um yeah we normally sort of share a little bit of a criteria it's normally sort of just to say something quite recent in good condition that is appropriate for the age group so for example in this case it's high school um that is appropriate and that yeah that it's in good condition but yes we would we definitely are open to donations um, and of course, we want sort of interesting, vibrant, diverse um, uh, books from all over. Mm -hmm. And we, we also love to focus on promoting South African publishers and authors. Mm -hmm. So we are always looking to um, get books in from local uh, authors as well. So, yeah, we definitely we would uh, be very happy um, to, to have some sort of um, donations or, uh, or yeah, book donations if people are keen. That would be wonderful. Mm. That's really, really cool. And Noni, I want to say thank you so much for being here with me today and for sharing about this exciting project and not only the project, but also about the foundation. And so if people want to go and follow on social media, keep up to date with, you know, the library, the backer buddy with the foundation, what are those social media handles or how can they do that? Yeah, we have, um, we are on all the platforms. It's the Otto Foundation. So um, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, especially on Instagram. We're very active on Instagram. Um, and we are, yeah, on also LinkedIn. So we're, we're on quite a few of the platforms. Um, we also have our website, which is um, uh, autofoundation.org. Uh, um, which also has quite a lot of information there, but also you are able to contact us through the website. Um, and that also yeah, gives quite a lot of information, uh, the rest of our information, should you possibly want to get in touch with us. Mm, awesome. So now you all know how to get in touch, how to keep up to date with the projects that's happening, how to donate. I hope that your heart is stirred to, you know, wanting to <laughs> give some books to the library and to really impact children's lives. And, you know, children who need that safe space, who find the library a safe space, who are coming to that space to not only find love of reading, but also just to find a warmth and a love in that space. And so it's not just a library full of books. It's a it's an incredible space for people and for our children. And so, Noni, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today. It's been wonderful to catch up with you again. And I'm really thank looking you. forward to the launch of this library, the celebration of reading and creating the space for children and for these girls that are going to come through there and for everything that's going to be happening. So, Noni, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for that. We will be updating everyone on the um, as we move forward with this pro uh, project, and so as uh, yeah, so they can you can see what we're doing on our Instagram page, and then people can be up to date with where we're at. But thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, and take care. Okay. Bye bye. Just last week, I was actually reading again and just doing some digging into 
Andrew Murray, but more specifically to his wife, Emma Murray, and the work that they did and accomplished here. And it's so incredible to think that the Good Hope Seminary High School, where this new library is going to be, was actually founded by Reverend Andrew Murray and is, was founded in 1873 and is actually on the very same spot where he founded it. And it's such a beautiful testimony to how when we do things, it is, you know, with when God leads us to do things, and when he inspires us to do things, and especially in the education space, especially with children and especially with those generations, that it will stand. And when God leads us to do something, it will stand the test of time. 150 years. I mean, imagine how Andrew Murray felt planting this place of education in 1873. And here we are 150 years later and getting this new library, getting this safe space and having this place where children not only learn to read, but where they become people who are engaged with the material that they read so that they can dream and so that they can learn and so that they can use their imagination. And I think that that's the beauty of books. Even us as adults, when we're reading and engaged with reading, we are using our imagination and our thoughts and we can dream as well. And we can learn as well. You're learning while you're reading and it's an exciting space to be. And so I just really wish everybody involved with setting up this new library at this beautiful school the best the very best and that god will just bless the work of their hands that this library will be a place and a testimony for many generations to come as well and i'm also considering today how we can be more involved maybe in a posture of prayer as i said at the start of the show about this bible famine that's happening on the continent and how we have heard from francois how he has said that you know when we come to the next few decades one in four of the christians in the world are going to be in africa and we praise god for that we see the testimonies we see the prophecies unfolding and we will continue to see them but yet we want our brothers and sisters on our continent to have access to the bible and when we talk about access and distribution we talk about it all the time but i don't know if we've really considered it big enough that it's actually becoming a famine of the word. So let's pray and let's really trust God that he will do something on our continent so that we can begin to talk about the shift and how people are getting access to the Bible. And also praise God for everybody that's involved in translating the Bible, getting the Bible into different languages and getting that access to those materials and so it's been really great to be with you on voice of change today next week i want to ask you are you single and still waiting well this is for all the ladies all the single ladies i'm going to be joined by bookie all the way out from canada and she is actually she is so funny and so humorous and she talks about being a single lady waiting for a very long time to find mr right from a christian perspective so i'm looking forward to having you and her with me next week thursday until then take care and god bless This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.